Hey everybody, it's Mark. Welcome or welcome back to the New Spring Church podcast. Hey, at the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to our YouTube channel and download our free New Spring app where you can access all of our recent message content. Actually, the app is the easiest way to share all this content with a friend, and it's the easiest way to keep up with everything going on around here at New Spring. But most importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. Well, over the next three weekends, our theme is Living Large, Three Secrets Every Blessed Person Knows. Every one of us wants to make a lasting impact in this world, and sometimes we struggle to figure all that out. So, how do we as Christ followers live large in this world? Well, here's the thing. I'm going to give you the first secret. Now, just because I give you the first secret doesn't mean I want you to get up and walk out. I want you to stay to the end of the message, all right? Because there's a bonus at the end of the message, and you want to see it because it'll... it'll, it'll It'll light your fire. God owns everything. That's the first secret. God owns it all. He owns it all. He's the owner of everything you have. He's the one responsible for your gifts, your talents, your abilities that you have. With God as the owner and us as the manager, the only question there is, is what's my role and what's your role? Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and earth. Psalms 24.1 says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all its people to belong to him. From these verses, we see the whole earth belongs to God. He owns it all. He owns everything it contains. God can really do anything he wishes because he is the owner of everything. The Bible teaches us that God's desire from the very beginning was for humanity to steward his creation. In Genesis chapter two, verse 15, God, the Lord God took man, Adam, and put him in the garden to work and take care of it. There's no mention of transfer of ownership or anything of the sort. God's plans were to have men and women to steward his creation. As owner, he has full right and title to everything on this earth. He owns our very lives. God is eternal. (laughs) We're temporary here on this earth. Long after Mr. Dan leaves this earth, God's work will continue on. Our citizenship in the book of Peter says it's temporary. Peter writes, "Uh, Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners, or one translation would say aliens, to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. If we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we have an eternal home in heaven. No matter what we do on this life, on this earth, there's nothing that can reverse God's ownership. Nothing. God owns it all. So as we talk about stewardship over the next couple weeks, Pastor Mark will be here for the next two weeks to give you the next two secrets of what blessed people know. But stewardship, the definition of that is simply recognizing that everything we have, everything we are, is a gift from God and being grateful and generous with those gifts. And a steward would be a person who manages another person's property or financial affairs. Well, here's the thing. To be a good steward for God, there's one thing that is evident. You have to be thankful. Thankfulness is the cornerstone for stewardship. I have never met in the 61 years, I've never met a person that stewards God's gift well that haven't been thankful. Because the reason they can steward well, because they have a level of thankfulness in their heart towards God. 
Here's a big thing. I want you to think about this. I want you to think about it during the message. I still want you to listen, but I want you to think about this. I want you thinking about it while you're watching NFL today. I want you to think about it when you go to bed. And then when you wake up tomorrow morning, I want you to think of this question. You ready? What if you only had the things today that you thank God for yesterday? What if you only had the things today that you thank God for yesterday? A heart of thankfulness leads to contentment, which builds a structure for stewardship. Thankfulness keeps our eyes off our circumstances. When we give thanks to God, we begin to see more clearly who he is and what he is or what he is doing in our lives. And contentment is a powerful counterbalance to our culture. When's the last time, parents, grandparents, aunt and uncles, when's the last time you had a conversation with your kid about contentment? They get blasted on TV every day of every week saying, you need this, you need this, you need this, you want this, you want this. Your life won't be complete without this. Kids don't know what contentment is anymore. We're very uncontent as a society. Stewardship and contentment are two very important signs of a mature believer and something as parents and grandparents, we need to model and teach our kids. Because someday we will all give an account to God. In the book of Romans, it says, yes, each one of us will give a personal account to God, what we did on this earth. So today I wanna talk about three areas of our lives that God expects us to be good stewards and managers. We have to realize that he's the owner of everything. We are the managers. First, that we need to manage well for God is time. You are to steward your time. Sure, we all, don't have, we all don't have the same amount of time. We all have 24 hours in a day, but some of us have less days than others. No one knows the length of time God has ordained for them to live on this earth. The truth is that God has made a lot of promises in his word, but one of them is not time. None of us are even promised tomorrow. In James chapter four, verse 14, it says, how do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like a morning fog. It's here a little while, then it's gone. It's like the snow that happened Friday night for about two seconds. That's why we're stewing in our time. That's why it's so important to steward our time. It is critical. We are all living with an expiration date. I'm 61 years of age. Maybe, man, wouldn't it be awesome if God let me live to be 100? That'd be awesome, but maybe not. Some of us might live just to be 60 or 50 or 40 or 20s. Maybe for some people, this might be the last time you'll be in South Auditorium at New Spring Church. We just don't know when our time has come. We do not want to know the hour when God's going to call us home, whether we are young or old by human standards. It's irrelevant to God. Have you ever thought about this? God's not bound by time. He is patient. We are uh, not, we are bound by time. And because we are, it's important that we learn how to manage our time wisely. In the book of Ephesians in chapter five, it says, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but live like those who are wise, making most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. In this scripture, God tells us very clearly to watch out for time. God wants us to make sure we're not wasting time and we shouldn't set up our calendars. We, to, we should set up our calendars at home to honor God. I, I'm just shocked <laughs> by how busy families are nowadays. 
Sometimes we have to say no to something that's good so we can do something better that brings glory to God. I am shocked by families how they crisscross, <laughs> crisscross Wichita, their calendars. Uh, they go everywhere. My kid needs to play in a million soccer tournaments or baseball tournaments, or she needs to cheerlead. So we're going down to Texas, then we're going to Nashville, then we're going to New England. It's crazy. Have we ever stopped? And as a family, men, you're supposed to be the spiritual leader in your family. Have we ever stopped and said, God, what do you want us to do with our time? with our calendar, what do you want us to do? It would change your family's life. God is the owner of your time. Now, my wife tells me all the time, when I'm up here, I do not smile. <laughs> I feel like I'm smiling right now, a big smile. In fact, if you look at our wedding photos, they take a picture. One of the pictures I wanted was me looking down the aisle as my bride of 38 years now is walking down. I wanted that picture. I told the photographer, I don't care whatever other picture you take, but the one picture I need is me looking at my wife walking down that aisle. And sure enough, when the picture's taken, I'm not smiling. But anyway, I'm gonna say this, I'm gonna say this with a smile on my face. You ready? If you're too busy to do what God wants you to do, you are just too busy. You are too busy. You need to get your calendar, sit down, and figure it out. But if you're too busy to do what God has called you to do, how he's supposed, how you should lead your family, what he wants to do with your extra time and your free time, you are just flat out too busy. But what would it look like if all of us started investing the time God wants us to do in the Lord's work? It would change the world around us. If you take care of God's business, he will guarantee you take care of your business. The second thing God wants us to manage really, really well and be great stewards is talents. Each of us has been tasked by managing the talents God has given us. These are the skills he has given you and me for his purpose. I love the book of Galatians, and in chapter six, this is a message uh, uh, version. It says, make careful exploration of who you are and the work you have been given, and then sink yourself into that. Don't be impressed with yourself. Don't compare yourself with others. Each of you must take responsibility for doing the creative best you can with your own life. Now, I said this verse when I spoke last time on Family Ministry Weekend, 1 Peter 4.10. God says, God has given you each a, a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. This statement helped the early Christians to know how to live so their lives would glorify God, both individually and collectively. Sometimes I dream about what it would be like if 100% of New Spring would volunteer 100% of you people sitting in this room would find a place to serve here at New Spring Training. It would change what we do for ministry here in South Central Kansas. It would change it. Your greatest stewardship is not seen in what you get from God, but in what God through you can give to others as you serve him with your gifts. Let's be honest, it can be tough. We live in a me generation and a self-promotion and a selfie world, yet God has asked you and me to use which we've been given not to promote our own platform or to build our own brand, but to advance his kingdom and plans on this earth. This love ought to show up through what we do to strengthen others through our gifts and abilities and talents God has given us. 
I want you to meet a guy, his name is Tony, great young man. And Tony is the son of Antonio, who is one of our tech people here. Antonio is a great guy, big heart for God, but uh, right now he's going through a season. He has cancer and he's going through some deep, deep, dark waters. And we need to pray for Antonio. But he has an amazing son named Tony and he is trying to raise him in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord to tell him it's all right to serve the Lord now. Do what God has called you to do. And, and we went to Tony and said, hey, Tony, would you fill one of our 99 ways to serve at New Spring? And so I'd like for you to meet Tony and what he says about serving here at New Spring with his talent. Watch this. At New Spring, we have a way for everyone to get involved. We believe that volunteering should be both fun and fulfilling. That's why we encourage everyone to find the role that best fits them. Whether it's leading a small group of kindergartners or opening a door for first time guests, it could be worshiping on stage or something a little more behind the scenes. We have a role for everyone's passion. Here's just one of the 99 ways to serve at Newspring. I'm Tony Arambru and I volunteer at 252. So I started volunteering when I was in fifth grade. I do cameras, sound, and lighting. My dad is the one who inspired me to start volunteering because I wanted to be like him. On my first day of volunteering, my dad came in and checked on me and told me that he was very proud of me because serving God is the best thing that you can do. Something I love about it is making the people around me proud and helping these kids learn about God so that they can grow up and have a faithful life and just be strong through Christ. And so I feel like it's helped me grow closer with him too. My first weekend of volunteering, I was kind of nervous, but then once I did it, I was actually really excited and I loved it. It doesn't really matter if you know enough, you can be taught it and if you don't understand, maybe you can try something else and you can find something that you can do. If you're ready to discover how you can serve at NewSpring, take out your phone right now and text SAY YES to 97,000. Isn't that awesome? Tony does an amazing job for us. And let me just say quickly, if God is calling you to serve here at New Spring, we have a volunteering event coming up on November 12th and 13th. I, I, I invite you to sign up for one of those three hours and just check out what God is doing here at New Spring. Well, the last thing that God uh, wants us to manage really, really well is resources. God wants to manage our resources. And now if you're going along and you're looking at the notes and he says, well, Dan, you talked about time and now you, you talked about talent. Why didn't you use a T word here? Okay, let's put treasures in there instead of resources. God wants to have you manage your treasures, your resources really, really well. This is not only include your money, but also items which you've been given to steward, whether it's your home, your vehicles, you know, your possessions. God has a purpose for all he has allowed you to obtain in your life. The purpose is to serve him with what he has given us, to bring good to others and to allow people to get closer to Jesus. You know, Jesus talked more about money than he did heaven or hell. In fact, I believe, and you could double check me and please do, I think there's over 800 references to money in the Bible. So Jesus knew that money was a big thing and it would catch us because a lot of people have faith in their finances more than they have faith in God. 
They wanna make sure they have lots of zeros in their bank account and then they'll have faith in that. But we know with the economy that we have now that that value uh, can sometimes shrink. You know, I used to pay $1.99 for a dozen of eggs and now they're four bucks, you know. But here's the thing. God's, God's ways aren't our ways. And, and big news here, the, 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 the American money is not the standard uh, in heaven. God has his own thing. He's not panicking over the economy. God owns everything and he has a plan. But what does the average Christian in America spend with their money? Here they are. First of all, they spend it. Second, they pay off debt. Third, taxes. Fourth, some types of savings. Fifth, God. Now, let's go back. Spend it, who does that affect? Me, me. Debt, me, me. Taxes, well, we'll give that one to the state of Kansas and the United States of America. Savings, hey, that affects me, that affects me. Give, that affects God and what he wants to do with our lives. But the thing about it is, it shouldn't be last. It should be first. It should be first. In Proverbs chapter three, verse nine, it says, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. Throughout scriptures, if you go through the Old Testament and throughout the New Testament, God is always saying, I want first and I want best. God deserves our first and our best, first and our best. Have you ever wondered why the Bible says God loves a cheerful giver or a hilarious giver? Joyful giving is a sign that we understand the owner-manager relationship. Cheerful giving can only come from a heart set on things above, not on earthly things. Colossians 3.1 says, since you've been raised to a new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven. A faithful steward must maintain a biblical perspective when it comes to stuff. And that perspective means returning the ownership of all your possessions to God. God owns it all. Guys, your bass boat, guess who owns it? It's not Bank of the West, it's God. God owns everything, every breath we take, everything God owns. And we should put that underneath the authority of God and say, God, what do you want me to do with this? And it's not bad to have things, but God just wants to make sure you get them in the right order. God says, bring your first and best to me, and then we'll take care of the rest. In Matthew 6, the Bible says, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give everything you, what class? Oh, come on, what? Need. need, he will give everything you need. Sometimes it might look like we're not making much progress or you don't feel like you're making much progress, but every time we're obedient and faithful to God, it's a big deal to him. Investing in some things can be risky. There's no guarantee how it's gonna turn out. I have a good friend that, that uh, lives in Florida and he took all his money in his 401k and decided to invest in oceanfront property in Florida about one month before the hurricane came. And he lost everything, didn't have enough insurance. He has lost everything he worked his entire life for. He's bankrupt. But let's take some advice from Jesus and his investment plan. 
In Matthew chapter six, it says, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths and uh, uh, moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust can't destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be. In 1 Timothy, Paul is writing to Timothy and saying, hey, you need to teach these people in your church there. Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is unreliable. They should trust God, who richly gives us all we, what class? For our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and be generous to those in need. Always be ready to share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up treasures as a good foundation for the future so they may experience true life. Here's another thing I wanted you to think about. So everybody take a big deep breath and let it just soak in and let God use this in your life because he's been using it in my life, just preparing for this. God wants us to be rivers of blessing, not just reservoirs. God wants us to be rivers of blessing, not just reservoir. This is mine, God, don't you touch it. This is mine, this is mine, this is mine. You know, there's some things that God will give through you that he won't necessarily give to you. That has happened to Debbie and I constantly through our life. God will give us stuff to go through what he wants us to do and not necessarily give it to us directly. Now, you might say, time out, Dan, time out. You just read those verses. You just said God wants us to be rivers of blessings and not reservoirs. Here's the thing. I'm not rich. I'm not rich. Well, do you know if you make a household income of 60000 in your in America and you have two kids and, and two adults in a house, you are richer than 92% of the world population. Jesus wants our heart and what we value shapes our heart. If we say we love Jesus, one way we can show him that we love him is by using, by being a good steward of what he has blessed us with and how he has blessed our family. My dad would say this. I, lo- I love my dad. He's been gone now for 10 years. He was a Baptist preacher, never had a gigantic church, you know, two or 300. But this, I can, I can hear his voice, his baritone voice say this. Tithing and giving to the Lord's work is not a debt you owe. It's a seed you sow. Tithing and giving to the Lord's work is not a debt you owe. It's a seed you sow. Our wallets and checkbooks and savings accounts are big bags of seed. And God wants to use them. I, growing up, Debbie is upstairs running my notes and she grew up in a family and I grew up in a family where tithing was just as natural as anything. I can remember as a little kid sitting in the backseat of my car watching my mom take out her checkbook every Sunday morning and writing a check for tithe to the local church. When we see our money as a tool that God can use to change the world, it gives us a new purpose. God is encouraging us to give it a try. Ask God for help in this area through his Holy Spirit and get ready for the most exciting time of your life. In Malachi 3.10, it says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, 
says the Lord of the heaven armies. I will open up the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't even have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. God is saying, I dare you to try to outgive me. I dare you. He said, I'm gonna open up the windows of heaven and you're not gonna even be able to contain it. He wants our obedience. The word tithe there is a Hebrew word and it means 10th. God has set up the mathematics pretty easily. <laughs> if you make $100 a week, God wants you to bring $10 to the local church and invest it in his work. If you make $1,000 a week, God expects you to bring 100. If you make a million, God expects you to bring 100,000. He made it very, very simple. Tithing is a step of obedience and faithfulness with God. I'm gonna read something to you, and it's from Financial Peace. We do that ministry in January and February, and if you have never been through it, you need to. Watch for that as it comes up. But here's a quote from their material, and I'd like to read it to you. Tithing isn't for God's benefit. He doesn't need our money. Instead, tithing is meant for our benefit because sacrificing a portion of our income reminds us to rely on what God to meet our needs. Plus, it makes us more aware of needs of others. I went to Kentucky several years ago to do a judgment house training. And I pulled into this little tiny church in Western Kentucky. And there were, as I walked in, there was a car sitting there with this bumper sticker. And it said, tithe if you love Jesus. Anybody can honk. <laughs> I thought, man, that's great. That is great. Well, we're down to the end, and I want to share something with you. And this is so personal to Debbie and I, uh, but it's about God's faithfulness. Back in the early 90s, uh, we had four children. We, Grace was just born. And I worked at a, a car dealership, and it was kind of my mom and pop car dealership. In fact, that's where I met Mark Hoover for the very first time. I was about ready to go to lunch, and I was going out of the building, and he was coming in with uh, Jonathan and Jared, and they were about this tall. And uh, it was his day off on a Thursday. And I looked around, everybody was busy, so I said, I'll help this good-looking guy that just walked in. And he was looking for a car for our senior pastor at the time at the old location. So long story short, that's how I met Mark Hoover. And out of, uh, at that same time, uh, Debbie and I were praying. My, my dad was a Baptist pastor and I thought I wanted to be back in ministry. I did Christian radio and all that stuff before the season I was working at this dealership. But Debbie and I were praying, God, if you want us into ministry, you just, you know, man, we're willing to do it. You know, you've been faithful to us and, and we just, we believe that's God's will for our life. And uh, so we end up going, my dad was retiring from his church out there in Augusta and we were looking for a church. So we end up going to uh, Messiah, which now is New Spring down on South Hillside. And uh, through that course, Mark, of course, uh, sitting underneath Mark's preaching was amazing and I saw a lot of amazing things. But uh, as uh, I was working, all of a sudden the, the, the person that was managing me, the general manager, they decided to make a change corporately and they decided to bring a new general manager in. And, you know, like I said, we were kind of a mom and pop organization and we were just, you know, try to treat people right. You know, we weren't, we, most of our cars we sold were just by appointments only. And we did fine. We sold hundreds of cars a month and we did fine. And God, God blessed that. 
But he had a different thought. He thought, you just lie, cheat, steal, whatever it takes to sell iron and flip it over the curb, that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna make more money than this dealership has ever made, and we don't care. We're just gonna do what we have to do. Well, I knew I couldn't work for that, that dealership, and so it was a Wednesday night, and Mark was uh, speaking on uh, finding the Lord's will for your life, and one of his points was there's always gonna be a crisis of belief you know, in God's will sometimes. And so, um, you know, I listened to that and Debbie and I with our four kids just had grace. I was on my way home and I remember Debbie and I talking about, you know, I can't continue to work here. I didn't have another job anywhere, but I cannot work and honor God with that. And so that night I took my demo back into the dealership, put the keys on the general manager desk, wrote him a note saying, I can't be a part of what you're trying to do. And I turned my keys in. Well, Thursday morning, phone rang bright and early, eight o'clock. It was one of the other salesmen uh, at the dealership calling on behalf of this new general manager. And he said, Dan, man, they're really surprised you quit. Uh, they want you to come back. I said, uh, I can't come back. I can come back as long as we're not gonna do what he think he's gonna do. But he, you know, that wasn't gonna change. And they said, we want you to come back. You know, no, uh, no, God will take care of us. I ain't gonna do that. And he said, Dan, they're willing to give you $5,000 in cash if you come back for just less than a week just to train everybody in what you did. Sorry, can't do that. That was in August. Didn't have a job, four kids at home, mortgage. And, you know, I'm here to tell you, God has been faithful. It was fast forward ahead. I started working at the church. I did the radio broadcast just on the side. But in October, Mark came and said, we'd like to hire you part-time. That's what we can do. That's what the budget's allowed. You know, Mark wanted more, but at that time in that season, our church wasn't what it was is today, where we were all about trying to reach the people that were lost. And Mark, you know, had to do the best he knew how. And he said, I, you know, Mark would, and I said, well, Mark, I'll take it. I'm excited because Debbie and I have prayed to get into ministry and we believe this is of God and God will take care of us. And it was a big step of faith, a big step of faith for us. For two and a half years, I worked part-time for the church. It took three of my paychecks to make my mortgage payment. For two and a half years, our kids never got sick, never had to go to the doctor's office. We had a lady in our church, her name was Bev, and she would go to garage sales and thrift stores and stuff like that, and she would buy these beautiful clothes for herself. And it would look like she spent hundreds of dollars on every outfit, and she would say, oh, Brother Dan, I bought this for five bucks at a garage sale. And it was just beautiful. And she came to Debbie and said, Debbie, you're the same size that I am. Would it be all right if I would just give you all these clothes when I get tired of them? And my wife, for two and a half years, she looked better. <laughs> she had the best outfits, and we weren't even paying for them. I couldn't even afford some of the outfits Debbie would wear. Even with a full-time job, I couldn't afford it. I would take my Bible, I'd run the sound point, and I'd leave my Bible on the edge, and I would take it home and do my devotions. I would open it up, and there'd be a $100 bill. Somebody would say, thanks for what you do here, and God would provide. We needed a car at an old station, blue station wagon. I had it for a long time. It probably had close to 200,000 miles on it, burned oil like crazy, and the transmission started to act up. 
Well, God, you own everything. You own everything. I need transportation. Got a phone call from one of Debbie's relatives on the East Coast, and Debbie's grandmother had passed away. And they said, we have a 1992 Crown Victoria Country Squire station wagon. 60,000 miles on it. If you want to come out and get it, it's yours. We don't want anything for it. It's just yours. And we kept that car and probably put 100,000 miles on it. And then we gave it to a missionary and he probably put another 100,000 miles on it. God just provides. All this time we're tithing. And I'm not up here to tell you, you give to God and you're gonna be living in a mansion. That's not how God works. But God provided everything we needed. We never ran out of food, never missed a payment on anything, never was late. God showed up on time, just like the song, so you would know, he provided, he provided, he provided. He provided what he calls you to, he will provide for you. And you put your faith and trust in him. Great is thy faithfulness. His, new, his mercies are new every morning. He gives us everything we what? There's a verse in Philippians 4, 19, and it says this, and this is my favorite verse. In fact, when I, when I sign stuff, sometimes people want me to sign their Bibles, I, I put this down, and it's been, it says, and this same God who takes care of me will supply all your, some people want to insert wants there, you know, and your wish list. He'll provide your needs. What I needed was transportation. Would I like to have a brand new minivan back then? Absolutely. But God said he'll provide my need. It was a 92 station wagon with 62,000 miles on it. That's the need I had was transportation. God makes it very clear. Our treasures and our heart are bound in one another. We can learn a lot about what really matters to a person by the way they use their treasures. We invest in what we value. If you love clothes, your checkbook is gonna reveal your treasure is going to close. If you love fishing, you're gonna find fishing poles and boats and trips. If it's golfing, you're gonna pay green fees where your treasure is, that where your heart is. And there's nothing wrong with that stuff. God is just saying, get it in the right order. He wants you to enjoy life, but just get it in the right order. Be obedient to him. He's gonna bless you if you do that. The principle holds true for everyone. Where you invest is what you value. Where you invest, you, you value that. And it even holds true for God. We can look at the Bible and see what matters most to our Heavenly Father by the way he used his greatest treasure, his only son, Jesus. God was willing to make the greatest sacrifice in history for one reason, us, the world. People are God's primary unending passion. My question for you is, have you ever accepted God's love for yourself? You might be sitting here and you might say, Dan, you're talking about money. Uh, we're talking way more than that. God wants your attention. He wants your life. He wants your heart. He wants your obedience. And here's the thing. He will bless you beyond measure if you just be obedient to him. But God's value of you is unbelievable. He loved you so much that he sent his son to die on the cross to pay the penalty for every sin you have ever committed in your life. 
past, present, and future. He paid for it totally. And all he asks is for you to receive his free gift, to invite him into your life and allow him to change you from the inside out. You're not gonna be doing any of this that we just talked about today unless you are part of God's family. And we're not born into God's family. We invite God to come into our life. God gave his son. And now what we have to do is believe that he did it for us and receive his free gift. And if you're ready to commit your life to Jesus Christ, he is listening for you to say yes. And so I'd like to pray a simple prayer with you. If you just bow your heads and close your eyes, no one looking around, just pray something like this from your heart and mind. Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. I know I'm a sinner. I know I've done lots of wrong things. I do not deserve anything from you. I don't deserve heaven, but I ask now for your free gift of eternal life. I put my faith and trust in you and what you did, and I ask you now to come in my life and change me from the inside out. Let me tell others about what you have done for me today. Let me start living for you and trusting you. Come into me and change me. Look at every corner of my life. Make it better. Make it better. Thank you for saving me. Now, if you just prayed that simple prayer, you could have used your own words. We'd love for you to text PRAY to 97000. We have a, a book, a box with a Bible in it and a, a couple other things we'd love to give you. But there's something special I'd like to show you before you go. We are excited about Christmas and we have a brand new series called uh, The Real Star Christmas. And we went up to Great Bend, Kansas, and also Augusta, and we filmed this new trailer that's gonna be airing on social media and TV and stuff like that, and we love for you to see it. Watch this. There's something about going to the movies. For just a little while, it transports us to a place we'd never be able to go otherwise. Three tickets, please. Movies inspire us to dream big dreams. Thank you. And they turn imagination into reality. The theater is a place where the hero always wins. A place where happy endings abound. And if we're being honest, it's a place that makes us long for heroes and happy endings of our own. The excitement that a trip to the movies brings makes us wish we could be part of the story. The movie's about to start. But what if we already are? The story of Christmas is the most epic tale ever told. An adventure that's still unfolding today and the hero of the story promises the ultimate happy ending and a place for you and me. This holiday season at New Spring, experience the real star of Christmas. Isn't that great?
and uh, we made it through the magic of television. We made it snow in Great Bend, Kansas last Friday. Well, one other thing as you leave, thank you for being here. Uh, we hope and pray that God will bless your week and that you'll take every advantage as possible to talk about what Jesus has done in your life. But we have a little special treat for you. I've asked the worship team that was up here and their spouses uh, to be out in the foyer, all across in the south foyer, and maybe even some outside. And we'd love for you to meet them and greet them. Tell them what your favorite song is. Give them your prayer request. We love praying over people. Uh, they would love to meet and greet you. So thank you for being here. God bless you. Mark will be back next week for another Living Large. See you next time. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in Wichita, the surrounding area, we'd love for you to engage with us in one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and information about our incredible kids and student environments, visit us at newspring.org. One more time, newspring.org.